Thank you, Pastor Vance. I love you. I love all of you on my advisory board. Pastor Del Turco, Pastor Whitfield, Pastor Grunewald, Pastor Cassie, who has uh, a team here, uh, but he's in Australia right now. And uh, I, I get so much wisdom, counsel, understanding, and knowledge from you, and so edified by you, and you just help me be a better person for the partners and for all of these precious leaders. So I, th I thank you. Thank you, Pastor Vance. And Pastor Vance uh, is the director of the Northeast uh, for the Ministry Institute, and in, in addition to everything that's on his plate, and he and, and Pastor Del Turco co-host in West Haven, Connecticut, and uh, several of you already told me that you're going to get up to West Haven. Some of you said, I'm getting to every one of these you have. Well, good for you. Uh, I like groupies. They, uh, <coughs> they follow me around. That's what Pastor Whitfield did. He got as much of this as he could and followed me around. And uh, I encourage you to do that. Get this to accelerate your learning curve and get to these other places. And we do... We do it, partners get the advanced training forums where we get together for a day and a half and I answer all your questions and help you be all you can be. And partners can come to the interim trainings that they have, the implement, what we call implementation trainings, where you learn how to implement these things from people who have implemented it and can tell you what not to do and what to do. So those are some benefits of partnership. I also uh, want to... Uh, Pastor Vance beat me to it, but uh, <clears throat> he did it more eloquently than I, perhaps, but I certainly want to thank all of you leaders here that serve under Pastor and Susan Whitfield. The standard of excellence, as he just said, is, is unsurpassed, and this is the fourth consecutive year, at least, that we've done the global, and then he's been hosting me here every year for 15 years. Uh, and, uh, sir? Twice a year, yeah. And, well, one year is three or four times, I think. Yeah. And, uh, actually, the Whitfields will be celebrating their 30th anniversary here. <clears throat> In, at the 1st uh, of March. And when's this, what's the celebration day? March 7th. The fourth, yeah. And you asked me to do a video. You didn't, but one of your team members did. And uh, I don't have a video set up. Uh, and so this is the video set up right here. Yeah, we got a bunch of cameras here. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the letter that I'm going to be sending to you. Okay, congratulating you, telling you how wonderful you are. And I'm going to be reading it now on video with a multitude of witnesses. You got the cameras on? <clears throat> Dear pastors JB and Susan, 30 years, wow. For 15 of those years, 
God has connected us. What a blessing. Indeed, what a blessing. It's actually more than 30 years pastoring in ministry, but you weren't saved those first few years. It's good to have your pastor saved. So they don't count. So we started counting at 30, though, and, and uh, they certainly don't count for much. But uh, you, too, grasp God's scriptural system like I've not seen much of, with a passion, a pension, and a zeal that has always energized me from day one. You help perpetuate my enthusiasm for my calling because of the way you took this to heart and applied it. The most, these aren't all in the letter, I'm amplifying a little bit. <laughs> the most impressive thing for me is the love that you have and the pursuit that you take for, the in, for your intimacy with God. Studious love for his word. Unceasing prayer and the commitment and manner in which you love and focus on your family, your church family, and all those entrusted to you. However, that has been enhanced, however, that has been enhanced by my simple message is a tremendous honor. Not only did you build a powerful work for God, God's love fellowship here, Agape Faith Fellowship, but you have been the most instrumental in assisting me in building my mandate the Ministry Institute, and the Partnership for Pastors. You both have been the greatest and most effective promoters, the most faithful attendees and hosts. You have saved more pastors' lives, and you've saved more and kept them strong in their calling than anyone else. We have had more times of joy <laughs> and tear-dripping laughter. Carol and I thank God for you too and look forward to joyful rejoicing and hilarious laughter all through eternity. With great love, respect, and appreciation, Carol and I. I need to get stuff off my plate. <laughs> there was a guy here in 09 at the banquet, Phil Cook, a Hollywood producer who produced the Maximum CEO, and uh, he said, when he, when he spoke of me at the bank, he said, Dr. Eck, he's the only guy. He was talking about, you know, social media, high tech and all that stuff, and how low tech he wanted to point out how low-tech I am. He said, uh, Dr. Egg, he's the only guy that I know that faxes his emails. 
<laughs> I think that was a form of endearment. I got an email here, and uh, it's uh, from the pastor hosting in England, in Bournemouth, England, in uh, two weeks I'll be there. I trust that you are well. Firstly, that's how they speak over there. Firstly, I wanted to thank you for the product which arrived, just arrived, and it was well worth waiting for. From what I have seen, it is excellently presented and packaged and represents amazing value for the money. So thank you. And then anybody who doesn't buy it is really stupid. No, no, he didn't. <laughs> Is Serbia part of your vision? Serbia? Eastern? Yeah, because uh, he said there's a contingent coming from Serbia and one from France, too. So uh, praise God. And that's, that's what you're doing. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for your sowing. It's not a love gift or an honorarium for us. It's to help us reach pastors and uh, leaders all over the world. So thank you. Praise God. Okay. Where were we? Let me give you an example of, uh, of an ultimate CEO. Now, he hasn't arrived. He's crossed over, though, and he's in here somewhere getting revved up, more revved up. But let me just give you an example so you can kind of get a vision and, and, and see, and see uh, how this might apply to your future <clears throat> in some fashion. You don't have to be like this. You just need to continue to advance in your trajectory that God designed for you from the beginning of time. <clears throat> but I had the good pleasure of, of uh, training at and coaching and, and helping uh, this particular visionary leader, pastor. He has a 600,000 square foot building in another part of the world. Uh, he has... Uh, they are bush pastors, and they start churches all over Africa in the bush. They have a church of 14 years, uh, started in 98. They have 50, 50 different companies and ministries in, under this ultimate CEO, touching various parts of the world. They have 500 staff. They have their own printing company and they take printing from other parts of their country and do it in-house for a profit. And he's the leader of all this, is what I'm trying to point out. Not, he'd be embarrassed if he were here, but I'm boasting on. And I'm actually boasting on the Lord, what the Lord can do with an obedient servant. <clears throat> printing company, huge Heidelberg presses. I mean, I, I, I was blown away because I've seen a lot of that in my career. A media center. Christian TV that goes all through uh, the Middle East and Southern Europe and Africa. TBN is a part of it. A media center, two satellite channels. Complete broadcasting and editing suites and facilities, the like of which I've not seen. I mean, it looked like I was moving into, walking through uh, 
um, Fox Studios or, or CNN or something. Um, multi-sites, multi-sites all over the place. Our air charter service that started to, to provide medical relief for people, to be able to fly people for, like, like the chopper that took Todd to the hospital and saved his life. Humanitarian relief. And then they fly executives all over the nation for a profit to help them build a ministry. Glory. They have a four-color magazine and, and uh, their own advertising director. She was trying to sell me space in their magazine while I was there. <laughs> they have real estate investments that pay to build the ministry and its outreach programs all over the world. They have a satellite radio and their own broadcast channel and their own broadcast program. They have a hotel group with seven resorts. This is all under this one pastor. It's under a pastor. They have seven resorts. Some are nautical on the seacoast. Others are safari kinds of places out in the, in the bush with the vehicles that drive you around to see the, you know, the game. They have a director of leisure services who runs all these resorts, spas, restaurants, tours, boating, and golf courses. And he's one chair sitting here as, what did I say, the director of leisure services for the CEO, the ultimate CEO. He's actually not in this chair. He has the chief financial officer who is a brilliant guy. And he's here, this particular pastor. This brilliant guy, has a tremendous experience and skill levels and so forth, but I spent the better part of a week with him because he's the most important asset that this so-called chairman, ultimate CEO has, and he didn't know how to do confrontation and conflict resolution. He didn't know how to give directions so that he holds people accountable, so that he gets a do you an understanding? Do you understand? Can you confirm for me that you understand? Can you make a commitment to this? And do you understand the consequences if you don't honor your commitment? And I taught him those things. Because if he doesn't make it, that guy's not going to make it. But he's brilliant. He's capable. They have... Um, Ministries of every type, and African, and uh, in different parts of the world even, humanitarian relief efforts, a Bible college, Bible institute. They have a program called Beyond Adventure, where they take teens, hundreds of them, and teach them teens that are struggling. Their parents, they're, they're either on drugs, or they're not, they're not learning, they're not applying themselves, and they take them and have, it's called Beyond Adventure. And beyond part is teaching them about Christ and saving them and so forth. So I think you get the picture. I just wanted to, you know, sometimes when you hold up a prototype, people can say, oh, I get it. And I, we don't all, that's not all our, everybody's assignment 
just happens to be his. But what I'm trying to point out is it's doable. He has one meeting. That's what he's learned. That, that, you know, you say that when I said yesterday, maybe I don't even know I said it. You have one meeting to run the whole joint. He has one meeting to run the whole thing. Yes, he has some other meetings at times. Like they have, they just, when I was there last, they had a big tour to Israel. So he had a meeting with the team doing the Israel tour, and that was separate from that one. And occasionally you have that. And a number of these pastors have creative team meetings to help with their illustrated sermons, their, pre, their, their, their um, series that they do. A number of them have that. And we'll talk about innovation later. Okay, so I just wanted to give you a vision of that. Another thing I want to illustrate from, from my career that would help you understand is that when I started, when I left this place <clears throat> because of value conflicts, promiscuity, nudity, exploitation of women, the limited stores, uh, Victoria's Secret, I left. Because God said, you can't stay there, you can't do that. So I left, and I started American Education Publishing. And I got two of the smartest guys I had ever seen to be on my team. Uh, and uh, surrounded myself with core competence and people smarter than me. And so we were off and running. We were very successful initially. But we had a great idea, a great concept, but we needed to get into the marketplace very quickly. I want to go quickly with this. But we needed a million and a half to two million dollars to penetrate the marketing channels very rapidly before the deep pocket guys, the big boys, saw our idea, knocked it off, and ripped us off, and beat us to the punch. And you say, well, didn't you have that trademark copy? Yeah, but they don't care. They'll, they'll, they'll sink your ship with depositions and legal formalities, and you're, they're going to take your, your idea. So we had to beat them. So we needed more money than we had to invest in this company. And so we, struck, we found, finally found an investor. And the investor put up the majority of the money. And <clears throat> this was in Columbus. I'm looking at Pastor Baker back there. It was right there uh, in Columbus. And the guy put up more money than we did. So guess what? He became the general partner. He was in, in essentially in control in the positive sense of the word, but he was the commanding guy because he put up the most money. So he directed strategy. He was the general partner. What were we? We were the limited partners. What does that mean? Well, we were limited in all that we could do without him, without him approving what we did. Are you getting this? So when you're the ultimate CEO, you're back here as the chairman, so to speak. You've made the biggest investment in this thing, and you're going to make the most strategic decisions, but this individual is going to make the daily decisions, like we did. So we were the limited partners, and I sat here as the head of this company, American Education Publishing, and we made decisions on a day-to-day -day basis but the general partner, so it, it was prescribed in our contract. The way, we, when they loaned us the money, then 
it stipulated how this is to work, and they were going to make the strategic decisions, and we were going to make the day-to-day -day decisions. Does that help you understand a little bit about the difference here? Okay. Anybody who is here for the first time, you're going to be sitting in this chair for a while. <clears throat> but those of you that make the transition, when the time comes, you'll be here. Strategic decisions. More strategy type things. <clears throat> the entrepreneur, the, ultra, the ultimate CEO. I, I, I don't want to get hung up in titles. And don't you get hung up in titles with people either, giving people titles. In fact, don't give anybody a title till they earn it. That's a good rule. But I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to share some things with you so that you'd understand. So I call that second chair sitting over there the chairman, so to speak. If you're the chairman, you're the ultimate CEO, more like a chairman of a company. And here's the, the new CEO and the president. This is where I can confuse the daylights out of you. So don't be confused at a higher level about more important things. Okay, just hang with me. The, but you're the entrepreneur, the driving force. You're still the entrepreneur, but you're a higher level entrepreneur. You're the mover, you're the catalyst. A catalytic uh, a catalyst in chemistry is that which increases the rate of, of reaction. So you're still gonna be generating energy here. You're gonna be increasing the rate of reaction or action but you're going to be the free one. You're going to have freedom and position to the, pursue the things that are most important to God. That guy that I just mentioned, he and his wife, he's still pursuing. He's got more and more ideas. And one of his biggest challenges is to continue to develop more depth and, more, and a stronger infrastructure. You never arrive because God keeps adding. And when you're in a position... To do more, he'll add more. And he, you're always behind the curve with him. Anybody notice that? Who sees, so you're the one who sees opportunity, who grasps what ultimately is important and ensures that we have that ultimate success. What did Pastor share last night? He felt an unction. Forget the word he used, like a, a, a um, stirring in your spirit, I think you said. A stirring in his spirit. He knew they were to be there. And because he hears from God and listens to God, and Susan is such a discerner of her prayer, with her prayer being uh, a prayer person, like she is, they said, no, it's, we shouldn't move ahead just because it seems like a good idea. And so you want to be in a position because the stakes get bigger and bigger here. We got to make sure that it's God, not just a good idea, and it all adds up. Just because it all adds up is, doesn't mean we do it. I'm wanting to share your testimony, but I. Yeah, I'm trying to. You, can we cancel the next break and then I can tell your test? <clears throat> You're the ultimate opportunity seeker. 
the chief opportunity seeker. So you have to be in a position to hear from God, your intimacy with him. You, as an ultimate CEO, you relinquish control and you take command. See, there's, you need a lot of control to get these things in place. Now, positively, I mean, I'm not talking about controlling and manipulating people, but I mean, you're going to have to have your hands on the reins and you've got to get this thing going and steer it. You need to be riding the horse and holding on to the reins, you know. Some of you got your spur caught in the stirrup of the saddle and the horse is dragging you around the corral. <clears throat> you got to be on the horse holding on to the reins. Okay, but then that's what I mean. But now you got to loosen the reins. And that's what we talked a bit about yesterday. And now you got to loosen them even more. You got to believe that what you've taught and discipled is going to be replicated. And you're going to check it too, though. You're going to, and we're going to look at that on Saturday. How to, how to disciple, how to check, how to make sure, how to assure yourself and assure God that we're doing the things he wants and the way he prescribes that we do them. You're still going to be in charge of that. So you're the overseer. You're, you have an overview. You have an overarching responsibility to protect the system, to protect the culture, to protect the righteousness, to protect the stakeholders, the other leaders, the congregation, and all that you touch and all that have been entrusted to you. This might help you. I like, I like this. I saw this. Uh, Sergei Rachmanov, the pianist, was presented with another pianist. Vladimir Horowitz. And Vladimir Horowitz played Rachmanov's piano concerto number three that Rachmanov composed. But Horowitz was now playing it. And they asked him how he felt about that, the composer, this young guy playing what he composed and used to play. And he said, good, now I don't have to play anymore. I can compose. Like I said, some have moved some are about to cross, some are crossing over, some are about to cross over, some are starting to cross over and, and shouldn't be. It's too soon, and most is taking way too long to get to the crossover point for many of you. And we'll talk about why, and I want to encourage you there, not criticize you, just encourage you. Taking too long. We've settled in. We, that's why I want you to have, and that's why I believe God wants you to have this vision, so that it stimulates and rekindles your fire and your pension in pursuit of these things. Because the faster you get these in place, the further you can go, the faster you'll get there. So I'm hoping to create an unsettled response, in essence, not to beat you up, not to put guilt trip on you, just to get you unsettled to move faster further.
stretch your vision, your capabilities, think bigger, stretch you, challenge you, tap into your unrealized potential and be all you can be for God. There's been probably a little too much said about Steve Jobs, and now the too much is segueing into criticizing his life and the kind of person he was, and there's too much of that in the world system. But uh, I do want to share a couple things that also might give you a bigger vision, and I hope you understand what I'm talking about, about the second seat over there, the furthest, the ultimate. He did not design the products, he did not write the software, he didn't design the cases or invent the chips. He did, he did do, what he did do was say what those products should and should not be, strategic direction. He knew and he envisioned, he envisioned. He didn't go that direction, but he envisioned right up here but that was a gift from God. What he wanted to hold in his hands and use, what he wanted, what he envisioned sitting on his desk, he and he made sure it happened, so he enforced the discipline on what was too complicated for the users and what wasn't powerful enough for the users. So, in other words, he was, he was strategic about making it powerfully simple. And anybody who has any of his products understands that. He constantly demanded or rode herd on simplicity over complexity masquerading as power. Don't get carried away with how complex everything is. Boy, that's really powerful. It's about simplicity. I believe that's one of the points Pastor Vance made last night. It's certainly one he's made to me, that he, that he is, has a penchant for doing, getting to the juxta the problem and the issue, keeping it simple and focused. He taught, discipled, in other words, he doesn't use that word or didn't, that power is the ability to do what you want with minimal effort. That speaks to what we're talking about. He taught his value, point of view, I added. He taught that achieving that simplicity requires people smarter than him who make things work harder than the people who use them. So we're making, we have to make this easy for people to grasp and get and easy for people to get involved in God's work. He uh, instilled a culture of making billions of dollars by doing what is hard, earning it from the customers who were happy to spend their money on products that worked. He had a mindset formed and consistently rejected what did not meet his vision. That's what you do. It ha mu everything that's done must consistently meet the vision God gave you. Amen. We're not interested in just being busy. He sat on a market-changing idea like the iPad for years until it could be made the way he envisioned it. He didn't go over to Statesville just because there was a chance to grab something. <clears throat> So it's like the chairman's job, and I'll amplify on that as we go. A chairman doesn't run anything, he leads. He doesn't do the day-to-day, -day. he's strategic. 
and maybe a good example is of the person that now sits in the new chairman's job, the guy sitting here, like my brother-in-law, Ralph Hale, Dr. Ralph Hale. He was <coughs> a physician, and then he, they, he was asked to become the executive director of the International OBGYN Association worldwide. And so he was the executive director sitting at the end of the table here. He wasn't the chairman. He reported to the chairman of the board. He reported to the board, and there was a chairman of the board. But he ran the day-to-day -day operations. So he was responsible for the ideas to make the association more effective for doctors, to look into new practices and, and to have the right controls for doctors in, pra in practice in the OBGYN area. He provided strategic direction, oversight. He captured all the wisdom, counsel, understanding he could from his team and from his st share stakeholders or, or uh, those that, that the association was there to serve, like you serve your congregation. And he provided guidance daily. But the board provided guidance for him. Are you with me? Okay. <clears throat> that's what that's what the chair that that's what you do now. But ultimate you I want you to see that there's another chair. And that chair is where we have the tough decisions, the difficult decisions. The ones and you may have heard this but a, 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 what's a tough decision? Well, an airplane flying and it's got a terrorist on there. Hopefully it's not going to occur again, but 9-11, and you got a terrorist on there and you make a decision, somebody has to make a decision, do we blow up the plane or shoot it down with one of our fighter jets and kill everybody on board or we let it keep going and kill the people on the ground? So it's, there's not perfect answers anymore. We need people that can hear from God to protect your organization and all you've done. We need people that can hear from God and make that kind of decision with God, intimate with God, having the time to think to make the right decisions and to surround yourself with the highest level of wisdom, which is what I'm going to share with you. I'm going to give you another little uh, team concept. So you'll have something to, to aim for. But that's the kind of decisions that you have to make. And you can't do that when you're frustrated and stressed out, maxed out. One of the things that one of the pastors that's here said to me years ago, he said, wow, when I surrounded myself with a higher level of wisdom, I got so much peace. I still had to make the tough call. I had to make the call. But I... I got all the counsel that I could, and I felt confident that my call was the best call because I had all this input. Amen. That's why we don't work alone. Now, there's one, one warning I'll give you, and it's one of the biggest ones I can give you, but when you're back here in this, in this chair, the worst thing you need is misinformation. The worst, if you're going to make that kind of a call, those kind of calls, those kind of decisions, 
the blow up the plane or let it crash into the people, kill the people on the plane or kill the ones on the ground. You need the right information. And unfortunately, that's why honesty, having an honest culture, starting with each of you, and then making sure, do you, you teach on honesty, I've done that, it's in, the, it's in the product, you teach on honesty, and you tell them this is what I expect, and I will be honest with you, you will be honest with me, you will be honest with each other, you will be honest with everybody down line in this ministry, and we will build an honest culture. And we will have that here in this place. Because this is what happens. And, and CEOs will tell you this. Pastors will tell you this. That you have to be informed and then you realize that they might not be, you might not be the most informed because there's a lot of misinformation that reaches us that's been massaged and, and distorted or what I call marginal deception. They'll tell you what you, what they want you to hear, but not what you need to hear to make the right decision. And if there's one thing I could forewarn you about, that would be it. That would be it. So when you move at some point, and let's start that today. Let's build that culture today. But when you move, it's going to be that much more critical that you've built an honest culture. And everybody knows the consequences of, being, of not being honest. A couple other things I'll share with you quickly. I, we, we're, we're just getting warmed up here. We're, I didn't even get to B yet. So you're, in order to ensure that you're getting what you need, you're going to have to be more probing and more fearless about asking the right questions, the tough questions, and become masterful at doing that. And that's what we're going to model tomorrow when we, when we do discipleship. It doesn't matter what level you're on, but you, you better have it mastered by the time you become an ultimate CEO for the reasons that I just cited. You better come fully prepared to engage and seek input and get, the, and get the answers that you need because you have to oversee and protect those things that are underlying threats to your organization, the emerging targets. And what I mean by that? Well, before 9-11, we, we heard about the bombing in Kenya the embassy in Kenya, we saw them shoot holes in the side of the USS Cole. We already tried to blow up the World Trade Center once, and on and on and on, emerging targets. But we didn't recognize them. We didn't make it a priority. We were still let terrorists on planes. We didn't have any, and so we didn't have a plan until 9-11. Well, we had a tragedy that could have been avoided had we been paying attention. So we spend more time on strategic discussions rather than there's no maintenance with now. No maintenance there, but certainly we're at the higher level discussions here. We move rather quickly through discussion through questions and rapid answers. 
People come with presentations. No big discussions. They all come with ideas and you say yes or no. We don't sit in the meetings long periods of time. Genuine strategic reviews.